Episode 310, Bonus Edition, Interview with Rebecca Schoff. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey, Elite Educators, I hope you're excited to tune in today to the Empowering Educators podcast. I am your host, Gretchen from Always a Lesson. I'm going to introduce you to another Elite Educator. I think it is so important to be the connector between people doing great things in education and all of y'all listening who are also doing great things, and together we can continue to leave a legacy in education. So our guest today, Rebecca, is fabulous, and let me tell you a little bit more about her. Rebecca is an author, educational consultant, and social entrepreneur. In addition to being the founder and CEO of the Bronx-based bookstore, Without Walls, Boogie Down Books, and What If Schools, Rebecca's first book, Educating with Passion and Purpose, Keep the Fire Going Without Burning Out, was published in 2023 by Jossie Bass, who is also my publisher of my book. So I am so excited to now be an official author colleague with Rebecca. But she has been an educator for more than two decades as a high school English teacher, founding faculty member, teacher leader, university instructor, and instructional and teacher leadership coach with the New York City Department of Education. She currently works with schools, districts, and other organizations across the country to promote transformative, innovative, learner-centered practices that advance educational justice. She's a Miami native. Rebecca graduated magna cum laude from Harvard College and is a culinary school alum, marathon runner, the owner of a pink Vespa, and everyone's favorite aunt. Learn more about her at RebeccaShof.com. Without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Absolutely, Gretchen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We have folks tuning in from around the world, which is really exciting because education is so different in all parts of the world. And I think your story and what you're going to share and your ideas are still going to be applicable. So with that said, I'm going to dive right in if you don't mind. Yeah, that sounds great. So go ahead. Tell us how our paths crossed. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I am an always a lesson podcast listener. <laughs> and also we are both authors with Josie Woo-hoo! Bass, yes. <laughs> an imprint of Wiley. My book came out in May of 2023, which I co-authored with my longtime colleague, Meredith Matson. And I know your book comes out in 2024, right? Yes. Congratulations. I'm so excited. Thank you. And you too. <laughs> Obviously, I know what a feat it is and uh, probably that you are still in the midst of copy edits and all kinds of things right now. So congrats to you too. I think it's interesting when we finally have time to sit down and say, wow, I've learned a lot 
I have some things I'm going to say. What's the best way to go about doing this? And to finally write it all down. And then you say, ah, this is horrible. No one's going to think this is helpful. <laughs> and you write it again. And you say, hey, I kind of like this. But you go through all these range of emotions. But all we want to do, and I'm sure you feel the same, is give back and teach everyone what you've learned and share all the tips and secrets. And, you know, you want everyone else to be successful. And you think you might be able to have a better chance than I did if you use what I've learned or implement what I've figured out. So um, tell us a little bit more about that book and how you felt writing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, everything that you just said about giving back totally resonates with me. Often during the writing process, my co-author Meredith and I would talk about the fact that we felt like we were writing the book that we wish we'd had. Mm -hmm. um, the book that we wish we'd had when we were struggling, the book we wish we'd had when we were at professional crossroads, and frankly, the book we wish we'd had when we were experiencing burnout, which I personally experienced multiple times during you know the past 20 years that I've been an educator. Uh, Meredith and I started together as teachers about 20 years ago. Um, we did not initially start at the same school, but within the first couple of years of our careers, we were teaching together at a small high school in New York City. And we worked together as colleagues for about eight years before we became lead teachers at the school. And this was a position where we taught about 50% of a regular teaching load, and we spent the rest of our time coaching other teachers, mentoring teachers, and leading professional development for the entire faculty every Wednesday afternoon, often in collaboration with students. And it was honestly a dream job. It was such a perfect uh, experience. And especially because we were doing it together as collaborators, we both felt incredibly professionally fulfilled by still being in the classroom and also being involved in instructional leadership at the school level. And we started to think that we had sort of found a key to something. We had found an answer to a question that we had been asking for a long time, which was, how do you sustainably stay in education? How do you keep learning and growing as an educator without becoming a school or district administrator? Because mm -hmm. at that time, it seemed to us that all the pathways, once you mm -hmm. had a lot of experience as a teacher, once you had a lot of success in the classroom, people would start encouraging you to become an assistant principal and then a principal and maybe to go to the district level. And at the time, neither of us were interested in that. We really wanted to stay engaged in instruction at the classroom level, but we also felt like we had a lot to give back and to share with with other colleagues. Mm -hmm. And so we started thinking about this idea for a book about just that, how to sustainably stay in education long-term without burning out. And then all kinds of life got in the way. Mm -hmm. um, we both moved on um, into different careers and different settings, all kinds of things happened personally, of course, as well. And we both got really busy, but we continued to stay colleagues. We continued to learn together and to be in the educational communities that we uh, felt connected to. And then in April of 2020, Meredith texted me, remember that book we said we wanted to write together? And suddenly we had a lot more time to be able to do the reflective work that you were just talking about, Gretchen, mm -hmm. right? Like all of the reflective work that writing a book entails. And so Meredith and I started meeting weekly on Zoom to share our writing and give each other feedback. 
And over the next three years, the book took shape. We pitched it. We got a book deal. We then had to actually make it into a book, a real book. And um, then it was released in May of 2023. And it's been really, really exciting to see it in the hands of readers and to hear from educators all over the country about their experiences with it and how they're working through the resources and the activities and the stories that we share both independently and with teams. That's amazing. Tell us the official title, and I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Absolutely. It's called Educating with Passion and Purpose, Keep the Fire Going Without Burning Out. Oh, I love it so much. And you were sharing a little bit earlier, you experienced burnout in a variety of ways. If you were going to categorize them, how are they different? How are they similar? Um, I'm hoping folks will be able to identify and say, oh, yeah, I'm feeling that right now. Oh, that's burnout. Oh, how did she move through it? So tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. So one of the things that Meredith and I really thought a lot about and learned a lot about in the in the course of our writing the book was what is really at the root of burnout? So when we first started out to write this book, we thought we were writing a book about how to avoid burnout. But what Mm -hmm. we discovered during that process, that three-year process, was that actually we were writing a book about purpose. And burnout is a word that gets used a lot colloquially in our society, certainly post-pandemic, and particularly in education, because it really is such a challenge and such a struggle and having such an impact on teachers and schools and students and families and communities all over the country. What we also found was that there's a clinical definition of burnout, and we found it useful to ground our work in that definition from the Mayo Clinic so that we would all, you know, those of us in this reading community through the book would have a shared understanding of what we mean by burnout. And what it would, exactly, exactly, have a, a common lexicon. And so what it boils down to is that having a burnout is really a sense of having lost your purpose, your power, and your passion. And what Meredith and I found was that purpose was really at the root of all of that. So when you have lost your sense of, wait, why am I doing this again? Or when you feel like your actual day-to-day reality in your school, in your classroom, in your office is really different from why you set out to be an educator in the first place, that that is really a recipe for burnout, that that disconnect between our reality and what we want to be doing can really lead folks to this place of feeling burnt out, of feeling exhausted, of feeling like their work isn't having the same effectiveness that they thought it would, and really not loving the work anymore for the reasons that they came into it in the first place. And so in terms of my own experience, I can now see, I didn't have this language then, right? Like I did not have any of this language when I was still in the classroom or when I was beginning my coaching career either. But what I can see now is that having lost that sense of purpose was always at the root of my burnout experiences. What was happening on the surface might have been different. I might have had a particularly challenging group of students that I felt I was having trouble connecting with one year. I was really struggling with my administration another year and really feeling like I was lacking a sense of leadership, honestly. There was one year, honestly, to be super personal, where I was struggling with my fertility and I was undergoing fertility treatments while also working full time in a New York City public high school. And all of these things, you know, on the surface, I would have said at the time, this is why I'm feeling burnt out. I'm exhausted. I'm drained. I'm stressed. But now I can see that what was really at the root of it was that 
I felt like my day-to-day reality was really divorced from why I had entered this profession in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so writing the book, as I said, was really for Meredith and I about thinking about what is the advice we wish we'd gotten? What are the questions we wish someone had asked us? What is the coaching voice we wish we could have heard Mm -hmm. that might have changed things for us? That is so good. I felt burnout when I taught fifth grade. I was asked to go up and help. This was a rowdy group. And one of my strengths was classroom management. And I thought it was an honor to be asked to like, come help. And she's like, well, I have to rebuild the team. So not only am I now here to support students, and this is fifth grade where we departmentalize. So I'm going to see them all. So Mm -hmm. I've already felt like that burden. um, And that now there's also all new team members, which means I also have to support them. And and that was now, I'm like, wow, uh, this is a lot to juggle. And I'm trying to help you out. And this is an opportunity, but also before the opportunity begins, I'm very stressed and a little anxious about what's to come. And it was uh, the best and worst year of my career. Um, my colleagues and I literally relied on each other. Uh, and that's one of the things that helps with burnout. I'm sure you've realized is camaraderie. And it does, if the culture's not there from admin, you can still create little pods of happiness with your colleagues. And so if it weren't for this team of we're all new, we're in this together, I don't know that we would have solidified as much. And then had the group of students not been so challenging, I don't think we would have had as many laughs and as many tears. And so after that year, I my principal said, thank you so much. <laughs> she said, your wish is my command. Where do you want to go? And I said, second grade, because mm-hmm. I just didn't want testing because I I had taught third for forever and then I did fifth and I was like, I just need a break. I need to enjoy teaching again where Mm -hmm. I'm not like, are we all, are we on track? Are we going to be ready for the test? And um, I had the best year that year. Just the curriculum was so fun and the kids were so Mm -hmm. cute. And it was like, the reward was so close, but when I was in it, I couldn't see it. And I was so glad that she was open enough to say, how can I help you get out of this feeling of overwhelm and exhaustion. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. She was not mm-hmm. expecting me to you know, do a magic wand or anything, but I'm sharing all of this to just say, everyone's looks a little different, but there are commonalities. And like you said, I lost my purpose because of all the extraneous things happening. And it took me a minute to say, what would help me move through this? And, and declare it and say it, can I switch grade levels? And mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years later, I said, I need a, a different environment. Um, these kids need a lot for me for life. And it's sucking me emotionally. And I love it. I, I'm teaching them how to grow up and be people in this world. But I'm also teaching curriculum. And I just think that's also overwhelming. So I went into a different environment where parents were so present. And that was a different mm-hmm. challenge. But mm-hmm. I guess I'm saying all this to say, I was recognizing something was off. And I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what could potentially alleviate some of that pain and transitioning out of a grade level or out of a school, or you mentioned different leadership Mm -hmm. um, is going to help you feel like you have some sense of control and that you're able to find that joy and that purpose again. And so if someone's listening who can identify with Rebecca's story or some of my examples, um, the book is such a great way to prompt you into reflecting and thinking, what can my next step look like? I don't have to flee the profession. Like there are ways to ease the pain. Absolutely. You know, what I just shared before your response was some of the things that I think connect burnout. And what I heard you saying was some of the things that connect 
the medicine for burnout, right? Mm -hmm. The ways that we heal from burnout or the ways that we can prevent it in the first place. I heard you say three things that really resonated with me. The first was when you went back to second grade, you were really reconnecting to why you wanted to do this work in the first place, right? What brought you joy? And what I heard you saying was it was not preparing students for testing. (laughs) And I think, and I think that probably, you know, you have that in common with literally every person in education forever and ever for centuries, right? Nobody becomes an educator because they want to prepare students for standardized testing. And that's exactly what I mean when I say sometimes we find that there's this real disconnect between the work we're actually doing and why we entered this profession in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, I also heard you talk about how important that community of colleagues was when you were teaching at the fifth grade level, right? And in our book, we have a chapter called Nourish Your Network, which is all about building a sense of community, both in, you know, in your school building at work, as well as in your personal life to help you build this sustainable way of doing this work. And I, the third thing that I heard you say that really resonated with me was the role of your administration. And, you know, we don't always, you know, we don't always have the administrators that we need at a particular right. point in our careers, right? Um, and I fully believe one of the things I have learned in 20 years in education is everybody is doing their best with the resources that they have, the inside resources and the outside resources that they have at that moment. Everybody is doing the best that they can, but sometimes our best is not good enough for the people who need us to do better, often our students and their families, right? And so sometimes our leaders don't have the resources that we need them to have in that moment. But, you know, leaders like teachers are learners too. And that's why in our book, Every chapter follows the same structure. It starts with Meredith's turn where she tells her story about the focus of that chapter. Then it's Rebecca's turn where I tell my story. Then it's your turn where we have activities and resources and prompts for the reader. And then the fourth section is additional considerations for leaders because we really do see school and district leaders as having a pivotal role in supporting teachers in avoiding burnout and then addressing it when it does set in, which it often does for so many of us. And so I really resonated with what you shared about how you really took ownership, how you, you know, claimed a sense of empowerment about how you could address your own creeping burnout and ensure that you were able to stay in the work that you love. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is through the exercises folks will do in your book, but also the more you experience burnout, the more you recognize it in other areas of your life whether it's your working out routine or whether you and your spouse are getting into it or the kids or you're in a place where you're like, I need to get out of this neighborhood or, you know, whatever is adding stress and overwhelm to your life, you have tools now. You know what questions to ask. You know how it feels to move through burnout. You know the uh, feeling after you feel that relief. And, And so it's beneficial. Don't run away from that feeling of burnout and thinking you can just turn it off. If you deal with it head on and you're really reflective and intentional with it, the next time it comes, whether it's workplace or not, you're going to be able to know what to do. You're now equipped and like, I got this. Like, it's still going to stink probably, but (laughs) I'll at least know what to do. And I think because of my experience, and I'm sure you feel the same with yours, I see it in other areas and I'm like, I know what this is. I need to change something up. I've got too much on my plate or I'm not enjoying it again. And I'm able to move to action versus allowing the feelings to just make me almost freeze. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, one of the things that I have a lot of experience with is mentoring and coaching early career teachers. And one of the things that I often say is it will never be this hard again. It will be hard right. for sure. Hard. <laughs> in all kinds of different ways, it'll be hard, but it will never be hard in this particular way. And I think that's for the reason that you are, you know, describing right now, right? Is the more that you do something, the more you're able to see it for what it is, the the more you're able to be proactive, the more you're able to address challenges early on, and the less blindsided you feel when something overwhelming does come along, the more you know empowered you feel to marshal the tools that you have, again, to nourish your network, to turn to the network you have been nourishing, and to really find a way forward. And also to remember that everything is temporary. You know, nothing lasts forever and you can do this, you know, this will not last forever. You will make it through this. And that's a message that I share a lot with the, you know, early career teachers I work with, as well as folks who are well into their careers, but maybe experiencing new challenges or different challenges for the first time. LA educators, have you heard? My next book is out soon. It's called Always a Lesson, Teacher Essentials for Classroom and Career Success. I share the Teacher Essentials Pathway where you can strengthen and catapult your instructional talents brick by brick. And so we hone in on four elements of powerful instruction. Whether you teach yourself or you lead teachers, this book will help you diagnose potential hiccups, fix them up good as new, and create dynamic habits that will result in academic strides for generations to come. Every educator, no matter their role, needs this book in their hands as they work with staff and students in school buildings around our nation. So pre-order your copy at alwaysalesson.com slash teacher-essentials. That's teacher-essentials. Let's transform education together, y'all. Now back to the show. And so as you're working with all these folks, are you noticing common characteristics about them? You're like, oh, this person's going to be a really good teacher, leader, whatever, because they have this thing? Oh, such a good question. Well, one thing that I have thought about for a long time in my career is that every teacher has the potential to be a leader. There's a leadership continuum and we're all on it. And there are different avenues to leadership as a teacher and different ways, both formal and informal, to take a leadership role in your school, in your union, if that's you know accessible to you, in your district, in your community. And so one of the things that I love doing with the teachers that I work with is to think about um, how we can really take an assets-based or strength-based approach to their work and think about what are your unique strengths? What are the things that you bring to the table? What are the things that you are really, really good at? What are the things that your community really appreciates you for? And how can we leverage those? How can we build on those? Yes, to address the things that you would like to work on or that your students frankly really need you to work on, but also to continue leveraging the things that you do really, really well. As far as some of the the commonalities that I notice or some of the things that I see across teachers uh, that I work with, 
I shared one of them already, which is a lot of folks sort of locate their source of burnout around the challenges of preparing students for standardized testing. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is a huge challenge for so many of us and really impacts students and teachers and schools and families in really significant ways. Um, Another thing that I am seeing, especially coming out of the pandemic, is folks feeling like they're burnt out because they are not connecting with their students in the way that they used to, or the things that they used to use to connect to their students maybe aren't working so well. A lot of folks will frame this as, I'm seeing a lot of behavior issues, or I'm having classroom management issues I didn't have in the past. And I really like to frame that as, how are we able to connect with our students in new ways? You know, students, young people, families experience so many things during the pandemic, and we are still working our way out of the trauma and the challenges that kids and families experienced. And that was obviously very different in different communities and different districts and different neighborhoods and different places around the country. But that's another thing that I'm hearing a lot from teachers is things are different now, and I'm not sure how to be different too. And so really focusing with educators on fostering their own sense of growth mindset is so important, you know, knowing that you can change, you can grow, you can learn, you can try different things. This is a safe place to take risks. This is a safe place to try. This is a safe place to fail and to learn and to keep growing. These are the kinds of things that I really try to support teachers with because those are some of the trends that I'm seeing. Yeah, that's a spot on exactly what I hear a lot of folks saying they need help with. And it sounds like you're really shifting their perspective and encouraging them to keep going. Um, So I just love that you're in the educational space because you're a good one. You're helpful. (laughs) You're giving all back, which is awesome. Do you have someone you go to, to fill your cup or guide you when you're stuck or inspire you to continue to grow? So I have so many coaches. (laughs) I have so many coaches of my own. And I feel like that's so important when you are a coach or a leader, you know, you need to continue to be a learner and to really invest in your own learning. So I have a lot of folks that I turn to for support and mentorship in different ways. The person I always think of first when I am asked about this is, however, my 11th grade English teacher, Ms. Deborah Leone, my forever and always mentor. Um, She really cast a lifelong spell on me and my classmates when we were in school. I'm still very much in touch with her. I wrote about her in several different ways in the book. Um, And, you know, when I really, when I think about Ms. Leone, when I need to reconnect with her, when I need to, you know, touch back to that time and what she gave me. Notice I just referred to her as Miss Leone, by the way. Every time I talk talk to her, she's like, Rebecca, it's Deborah. And I'm like, I'm trying, but forever and ever, she will be Miss Leone. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and she really treated me and my classmates like young adults uh, with a lot of intellectual independence. And that really ignited a spark in me. And so when I think about the ways in which Miss Leone has been a mentor to me and the ways that I continue to turn to her, whether, you know, connecting with her directly or just reconnecting to the the learner that I was in her classroom, right? The learner that she made it safe for me to be. I'm really thinking about that idea of creating a safe space for risk-taking, a safe space to try new things intellectually, a safe space 
to fail and then to stand back up and try again. And that, you know, those are lessons from Miss Leone that have lasted me 30 years now. Uh, and then I still very, very much turn to when I graduated from high school, I did not know yet that I wanted to be an educator, but I knew that I wanted to be like Miss Leone. And when I became a teacher 10 years later, I immediately thought of Miss Leone and thought, I want to be a teacher like her. I want my students to feel transformed by the experience that they have over 47 minutes, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday, 180 days in my classroom every day. And so uh, that's, you know, Miss Leone is my forever and always mentor for sure. Oh, I love that. Do you feel like you collaborate with a PLN or do you go to a magazine article or be part of some bigger network of folks? So I do a lot of reading for sure, but I would say the number one place where I stay current in terms of what is happening Mm -hmm. is through getting outside of my bubble. And this was true for me when I was a classroom teacher, I would seize any opportunity to visit another classroom in my school, to do a peer observation, to visit another school building, to go to a conference. I mean, I was constantly trying to learn what is happening out there and how can I learn from it and bring it back in here. And so that's still true for me today. I you know, work full-time as an author, an instructional leadership coach, an educational consultant, and a social entrepreneur. And the main source of my own learning is the other people I work with. I am so privileged to partner with current and former teachers and school and district leaders around the country. And I learned so much from being on the ground in schools and collaborating with folks from all different walks of life in and around education. Like the world is really my classroom. And that is really where I learn so much about what is happening in our field and how I can stay current. I love that. And it reminds us all that there's not a one size fits all. You don't need a hundred different degrees. You don't need to be part of this one special club. Like you can create your own master class of learning with your own mentors, your own colleagues, whatever things you like to read. Um, and that's empowering. Like your journey can look different and you can be just as successful, just as happy, just as fulfilled. Um, and so I feel like we're learning a lot from you about chart your own course and you have the tools and the resources around you to do so. Absolutely. When I think about all the different ways that I continue to learn and grow when I was in the classroom, you know, another thing that comes up for me is that I uh, had the opportunity several years to host student teachers. And Mm -hmm. so for folks who are listening, whose school does have a partnership with a local college or university or a graduate school of education, this was such an important and fundamental way that I stayed current. Um, You know, first of all, by having to teach someone else how to be a teacher in real time, right? Not in a lecture hall, in my Mm -hmm. actual classroom with real students, having to explain things, having to give feedback, having to set an example, frankly, you know, that was a tremendous source of my own professional development. But then also because those student teachers would have folks from their university programs who would come to supervise them and to observe them and then to meet with me, I felt like I was constantly just trying to learn from them. Oh, what are you teaching in your class right now? What book are your students reading? How can I read that? you know, could I come sit in on a lecture? Um, Sometimes I would be asked to guest speak at 
you know, in, in these, in these courses in graduate schools of education, I would just learn so much. And so I do agree with you. There are so many ways to learn. I mean, as educators, we are in the teaching and learning business. Mm -hmm. This is our, this is our business, right? And so I really think that that's one of the hallmarks of a, of a great educator is continuing to embrace that sense of being a lifelong learner and finding as you know, to your point, finding the place where you do feel like you are able to really access the knowledge and the ways that work for you, just like we want our students to do, right? Just like we create lots of entry points and access points for our students, find the ones that work for you. And I think, you know, probably when I was sharing my examples, I was maybe dating myself a little bit because I did not talk <laughs> about the internet at all. Uh, because when I started teaching, 20 years ago, the internet was in a very different place. There was no mm -hmm. social media or anything, right? And so I know today folks find all kinds of ways to connect and learn and grow, and they don't have to you know, physically leave their school or their town uh, necessarily to do it. And so there are just so many ways, to your point, to learn and grow. Find the ones that are accessible to you and that speak to you, and most importantly, excite you the things that like really get you inspired about what you teach and how you teach it and, and do those embrace that for sure. We have a chapter in our book called being the lead learner. And it's really about this idea of as an educator, really staying connected to who you are as a learner and finding the things that excite you and drive you and keep you connected to what you teach, as well as the things you just want to learn because you're a human being who's constantly growing and the things that excite you. I mean, I went to culinary school in the midst of being a public school educator mm -hmm. just because I love to cook and I wanted to learn with no intention of being a chef. And so find your version of that. Yes. And I know you're going to continue to learn and grow. So what is next for you? What's your next conquest? You've already accomplished so much, but I know you probably have additional goals. What are those? Yeah. Well, so my co-author Meredith Matson and I are continuing to share the wisdom that we learned as a result of writing our book and working on our book together. And so the book continues to be out there and we love speaking to folks about it. And so we actually uh, provide workshops as well as coaching and professional development design services for schools and districts that really want to support teachers and leaders in reconnecting with and staying connected to their passion and purpose as educators. So we lead participants through learning experiences to help them identify and articulate their why and then teach them tools to apply their why for decision-making. Because that's really the key here, right? Your why, your purpose, it's not simply an affirmation. I mean, it can be that, write it on a post-it, stick it on your laptop, you know, put it on your refrigerator, put it in a place where you'll see it, make it the screensaver on your laptop or the wallpaper on your phone. But really the way that your purpose is going to help you avoid or heal from burnout if it's set in is by using it and really using it for decision making to help you decide what you want to say yes and no to, how you want to teach, what you want to teach, what you want to learn, what you want your professional home to be, and how you want to nourish the network around you. And so the workshops that Meredith and I lead really treat educators as human beings who can't do everything, although as educators, we certainly try sometimes. And we work with individual teachers and teams and leaders and large groups to help them figure out how to do the work they love in a way that's effective for kids and sustainable for them so they don't burn out. So that's really my focus right now. That sounds amazing. I'm so glad you guys continue to collaborate and create meaningful learning experiences 
for teachers, which we know impact kids, you know, all around the world. So Absolutely. Um, I'm just really impressed and thankful for what you do. If if you were going to share, you know, one last takeaway, maybe something you weren't, you had wanted to share and we haven't gotten a chance to get to yet, what would that be? So the thing, my number one tip for educators is take yourself on field trips. If you are not in the habit of taking yourself on a field trip, try to make this part of your practice once a month, maybe can you take two hours to go feed the learner inside of you? Could you go to a museum? Could you see a show? Could you even just get everybody in your house out of the house and bake something that brings you joy and is beautiful? (laughs) Could you go on a long silent walk, not on the phone, not listening to a podcast, not listening to music? Could you just be in silence for an hour? Could you go see a movie by yourself? Like in what ways can you take yourself and treat yourself like the inspired, curious, Um, passionate learner that you are, and that maybe doesn't get a lot of space to breathe, maybe doesn't get a lot of attention. That's honestly my number one tip for educators. I know we talked a lot on this, in this conversation about being the lead learner, but really getting concrete about it. Can you take two hours every month, if not more frequently than that, to take yourself on a field trip? That would be my tip and my challenge, honestly, to folks who are listening, who are feeling burnt out or feel like burnt burnout might be coming for them. In what ways can you feed your inner learner and remind yourself that you are a person with interests and passions and curiosity of your own? I think it's important we prioritize ourselves. We tend to put everyone ahead of ourselves. So I like this field trip idea. What a great way (laughs) to reignite you know, your passion and potential as an educator, which is what my show is dedicated to and what I hope to contribute to the world. And I think you gave us tangible ways to do that. I hope folks go back and re-listen. There's lots of nuggets in here, but also your book is a way to expand on these ideas. So those of you listening, if you heard something that was really interesting to you, dive into the book to get a little bit more information. Well, on behalf of Elite Educators Everywhere, thank you, Rebecca, so much for being our guest. Can you tell us how to connect with you? Sure thing. So the first thing is folks can find the book wherever books are sold. Again, it's called Educating with Passion and Purpose, Keep the Fire Going Without Burning Out. And then to connect with me specifically, folks can visit my website, which is rebeccashope.com. The spelling is a little bit unique. So I know that'll be in the show notes, I assume. And so people (laughs) can find it there. Um, And people can find links there to the book itself, as well as my Instagram and my LinkedIn, a link to schedule time on my calendar directly if they'd like to set up a 30-minute free conversation with me, as well as my newsletter um, and how to contact me about working together for coaching and school and district projects and speaking opportunities and all kinds of stuff. And there's more about the website, excuse me, there's more about the book on the website, beatingteacherburnout.com. Oh, perfect. And you're just a wonderful addition to our world. So I hope folks add you to their PLN, follow you on social or reach out with a question. You're just so kind and generous. So there's no reason to be worried that she'll judge you for asking or wanting to connect. She truly just, you know, wants to be there with you in the process. So absolutely, Rebecca, thank you so much. And we look forward to connecting with you again.
Great. Thank you so much, Gretchen. It's been a pleasure. All right, y'all. What did you think of this interview with Rebecca? Such an empowering message from her. I hope you found lots in common. She is so fun to chat with. Uh, Wealth of knowledge. And I just think so highly of her. And I cannot wait for y'all to connect and see how you two, you three, you however many are listening, are going to be able to collaborate and use both the gifts you bring to the table to create even more momentum in our field. And I love being the connector, going out and finding these amazing folks and bringing them right to your earbuds. So thank you for tuning in today. Rebecca, if you're listening, appreciate you so much. Excited about us being author buddies and wishing the best for your book. Everyone, I will put all uh, the links to everything mentioned and, of course, her book In the show notes, just go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, find this episode, and it'll all be there for you. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Rebecca Schof. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.